All right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson. We're going to give you a quick Punk's opinion. We just got done filming with Just Guys, so if you guys haven't seen that show, you got to tune into that as well. That'll be dropping as well today, um, plus this. So I'm going to give you a quick recap on the Bellator fights as well as the UFC fights and the 1FC uh, opening days and appearances of whoo, Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson. Oof, oof, oof. All right, so let's talk. Uh, let's talk. I'm going to talk Bellator real quick. Okay, a lot of good, a lot of good fights on that card, but the ones that stuck out to me the most was, of course, stitch him up, baby, stitch him up, Joe Schilling. What a fucking animal this guy is. Hey, I gotta tell you guys, I sat in the fighter meetings. I was talking with Keith Barry. Keith Barry's like, yeah, I'm gonna stand with him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna test his stand up. I want to see where my stand up is. Everyone's afraid to stand with him, but no one's ever really tried except for Melvin Manoff. He's like, he basically went through the breakdown of what he was going to. He's like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And big John McCarthy and I were in the fighter meetings and we're like, what are you thinking? Do not do this. But in all of that, it wasn't the stand up that won Joe Schill in the fight. It was the nasty ground and pound. And when I was talking with Joe Schilling in the fighter meetings, he said his last fight, when he, after he had merged with Donald Cerrone, having his camp there, working with his wrestling coach, all these things, he said that in his last fight, he was on top of the guy and was able to start landing some good punches, and the guy wasn't moving. The guy didn't do a whole lot to defend it. He fell in love with the ground and pound. We saw here, you take it, you take, he is the guy that is the stand-up guy, the Muay Thai guy, elbows, knees, those kind of things. If you can get him to understand what it's like to be on top in the ground and pound, just nasty. I mean, he had some nasty, choppy little elbows. Some of the best I've ever seen in the business. Very impressed by his performance on top. Now, you guys, I can know you guys are going to start commenting in the comment section about like, oh, he looked like shit on the ground. He looked like this. Look, he has a lot of work to do, but let's be real. He had never really focused on, he was a two-sport fighter. Like, that's what happens. He was a kickboxer and an MMA guy. It's hard, man. It's hard to be just, just hard just to be an MMA guy. So his record doesn't uh, reflect him being just MMA. The fact is, the fact of the matter is he is strictly focused on being an MMA guy now. You saw the work that he's been putting in. He's nasty on top. I expected a little bit more of like sweep slash submission attempts from Keith Berry. But fuck, Keith Berry fought an amazing fight. Did a great job on the feet. What a gunslinger! I thought for sure that was one of the fucking one of the fucking great fights of the night uh, for Bellator that night. Great combinations, good stuff by Joe Schilling. Nice job, man. Very nice job by Joe Schilling. Making big gains. He's training with Donald Cerrone now. He's also got his wrestling coach he's working with. Um, he's doing some new things. You know, let's cut him some slack. Let's give him a little bit of leeway. But if you had a chance, I don't know if there's a chance you walk the highlights. Fuck, man. Keith Berry looked like he had a vagina on his eye. It looked nasty. It was like filleted open. I don't know if you guys remember the whole, um, what's it called? Um, Marvin Eastman with Vitor Belfort. Ooh, that cut that he had over his eye there. I mean, that reminded me. It kind of reminded me of this cut that Keith Berry had on his eye. But uh, overall, very entertaining fight. Keith Berry said he did exactly what he said he was going to do in the fighter interviews. He said he's going to stand. He's going to test his stand-up. He's going to try and do that. He had some good takedowns. Got to the mount a couple times. I He just wasn't able to secure anything. What he did, what, what Joe Schilling did was he controlled the head and arm position from the bottom, from the mount. Made Keith Berry give so much space that he was able to finally, as he went to try to fight out and give space, he was able to escape from that position. Uh, I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a wonderful job fighting. Sure, he's got a long ways to go, you guys. Let's not... I'm patting him on the back because it takes a lot for someone to get out of their comfort zone of being a, a kickboxer and focus strictly on something else, completely on something else that is different from what you were doing. Um, it's hard for it's it, it takes a big man to just walk away from what he was doing and do it and, and, and to do this. So, um, hey man, I tip my hat to Joe Schilling. Look good, my brother. Great job. I'm excited for you. I think uh, the sky's the limit for you, man. You just gotta. Keep trucking away, keep, keep keep chipping away at, at getting a little bit better on the ground. And uh, the stand-up will come, man. I, you could tell he was still a little bit hesitant on his stand-up. His stand-up was like a step or two behind. I think that's why Keith Berry was able to land some decent shots. Uh, I think one time he kind of wobbled, chilling a little bit. But Joe, just being a trooper he is, man, a fucking animal that he is, kind of just walked through it, kept coming forward, tried to, get, tried to land the big combination. 
he's that guy, man. He's that he's that style, that Cerrone slash like uh, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz. I mean, he he's a cool guy, man. Just great to be around. The energy around him is, you know, just overall you can tell he's a, he's a no nonsense kind of guy. Just he loves to fight and he's in it because he loves it, not not for any other reason than that. And I enjoyed calling his fight. I enjoyed uh, watching that fight, man. That was a great fight. Um, Mike Jasper and uh, Korshkov. I got to tell you, I didn't have Jasper in this fight at any moment. But he did way better than I thought he would. I honestly didn't think that he was going to do as well as he did. He was in some big trouble in the fight a couple times. But, I mean... Jasper looked good, man. Jasper did way better than I thought he would. Korshkov, I think a little bit maybe underestimated him. I know he just it just he didn't fight a smart fight. He fought a good fight, was always one step ahead, but that was the technique. That was part of just being that was part of just fighting at that next level of competition of guys. Jasper though to me I think honestly warranted a second fight in uh in Bellator. I think that the call he did a good he, I think he had a great fight. He just was one step behind. You could just tell that there, he was. It wasn't the same. It wasn't. You could tell a level of competition had favored Korshkov just in the combinations, the style, the all the things that Jasper had to like deal with. He just wasn't ready for that yet. But I got. I got to tip my head. He did a good job. He could have done. You know. He. There, I don't think there was a whole lot more he could have done. You know. Um. To Korshkov to really to get the win. Uh. He just Korshkov was a step ahead in almost every aspect of the fight. Good fight by Korshkov. Uh, next fight was um, Daniel Strauss, Shane Crutchin. I, I mean, um, just just remarkable, just a remarkable situation and 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 position to be in for Daniel Strauss coming off of a horrific um, motorcycle accident, fighting a weight class above. The doctors told him he would never walk again. The, the he may never walk again. They said for sure he would never fight again. He's in here right now. He's in here right now fighting again. And not only fighting, but, I mean, first-round finish. Great performance. Did a wonderful job. Everything about him, he was calm, collective. He didn't come out there with too much energy and try and fight a stupid fight, trying to get him out of there. He fought a very smart fight. He did everything he was supposed to. And I want to go back, and I want to want you guys to go back and watch some of Daniel Strauss's fights from before. He did exactly what he normally does. He waited for you to throw punches. He faded back beautifully. Dropped his weight back, faded back, came back in, boom, with a beautiful counter. Able to drop, drop Shane Crutchin. Nice little hip toss to get him back to the ground. But he dropped Shane Crutchin, jumped on his back, did some work. Right to the neck. Beautiful job, man. I was very impressed with his performance. Now, that being said... Shane Crutchin's found a new home. So he's found a new home with uh, Benson Henderson down at the lab, down in, in, in Arizona. I thought he looked good up until, I know it's a short period of time. Like, you know, it was only the first round, but I thought he looked good going into this whole ordeal. His confidence, his uh, attitude, everything going into this fight, I think made a big difference. Um, I, I expect better things from him now moving forward. Daniel Strauss has a mentality and a mindset to come back from something like he did and to to get back on track. Look, he's got a long ways to go. He said it himself in the cage in the post-fight interview. He's got some work to do. He he's just trying to build one step at a time. This was the first step. He didn't want this fight. I want I shouldn't say he didn't want this fight. He wasn't expecting to come back at 155 pounds. But he did. And he's like, "Look, cutting weight was the last thing I want to put on my mind, but the end goal is to get back to 145 and win his title back against Patricio. And we're going to see what happens with Patricio and uh, and Michael Chandler coming up in, in May. I want to believe this. I see, believe it's May 13th in Chicago, uh, Illinois. But that fight happening, I got to just tell you, I got to tell you, oh, May 11th, sorry, May 11th in Chicago, Illinois. That fight's going to happen. But I can tell you, Dale Strauss has a long ways to go. He looked good. He looked patient. He fought a weight class up. He's going to get his weight down. He'll be ready to go. But it's going to take some time. You know, if you go back and you watch the videos on YouTube of him, just try and go to the Bellator website on YouTube. Go to go to Bellator's uh, website as well. Or you can go to their channel on, on YouTube. You can check out the videos that they've done showing his recovery and the things. He couldn't even use his right foot, his right leg. He had to go through all the trainings of learning how to feed himself, learning how to like use the right side of his body, learning how to do all these things that he just was not capable of doing the night like that he was he was capable of doing the night before. 
gets the motorcycle, wakes up. He's like, he can't use the right side of his body. Wasn't able to, to use his right foot, learning how to like walk and step and feed and eat and do all these things. That's crazy. What an animal. Um, I got to tell you, I was doing the in-cage interview. Or uh, not in-cage, but I was doing the interview in the back right before he went out. And in my mind, I'm like, I was stumbling over my words, thinking of all the things that I wanted to ask him. And knowing I only had 30 seconds to a minute to ask him a question. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy, you've been through fucking hell and back. What can I say that's going to make you feel like you're ready for this? What can I say that you can explain to people like why you are here? And it's, it's crazy. He still, to this day, rides his motorcycle at 125 miles an hour in between cars and traffics and all these other things. And he's just like, it calls me. It heightens my senses, but it calls me. You can see, I'm sitting here watching the video now. You can see he's training himself how to like take a step again. See, step, oh, training himself how to take a step again. I tip my hat to him, nothing but respect. And I said it in the broadcast, you're a fighter, man. If you can fight and you can go through all the things, the ups and downs of being an athlete and a fighter, there's no doubt in my fucking mind that he was ever going to come back, ever. The woe is me was not in his mind. He's back, man. He's back. It's going to take a little bit more time, but he's back. And I'm happy to see, he may, he may never, let's just say he doesn't win his world title back, but fuck, he's the fucking man for doing what he did. And there's nothing you can ever say about that man right there. Nothing you could ever say about him. Just amazing story. Amazing, uh, comeback. I'm happy for him. I'm happy he was able to get what he, to get what he came for. And that was a win. We asked him in the back, like just being here, is that enough? He's like, fuck no. I came here for the win. That's what he came here for. And he showed it. He got it. He got it done. Great job. Great performance. Fucking happy as fuck for you, man. Tip my hat to you, buddy. All right. Next fight. Obviously, to me, this was uh, outside of the emotional fight of uh, Daniel Strauss. This, to me, was for sure fight of the night. Amazing fucking fight. These two guys, these two warriors laid on the line. Uh, Syed Awad and, um, and Brandon Gertz. Fuck. Just nasty. Gertz came out gunslinging in the first round. Just big, just big dick gunslinging. That's what he came out with, man. It was impressive. Just, there was never a moment I was like, man, like you got to dial this back. But as the fight went on, he slowed down. And Syed was able to, to land some big punches, land some big knees. Gertz has got to stop doing that right there. He's got to stop just covering up and letting the guy throw the knee or letting the guy throw the punch. He does that sometimes when he doesn't know what to do. He reacts by just covering. And that that kind of that kind of sucks a little bit because that's what got him cut against Campos when he fought Campos. I thought he fought a great fucking fight. Great to see him back from the soldier surgery. Great to see him back um with the with a W. Great job, man. Great, great work. His last fight was against Michael Chandler where he tore his shoulder. I want to say he had four labrum tears, something like that, or four um. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to say this. Four labor and tear. Something along those lines. He fucking tore his shoulder out completely. Nanny was back, ready to fight. Syed just fought a good, good fight, man. Tough as nails. Got dropped early in the first round. And Syed just came back after he got dropped. Just came back. Just kept picking away at him. Kept picking away at Gertz. And just wasn't able to land like something devastating that would actually put him down to even up the fight. But fuck, what a great fight, man. What a great fight. The two of them were just... Gunsling. The whole fight was just like that. The whole fight. If you're watching the, that first round, that second round, that first round was telltelling because Gertz drops him early in the first round. And the, at, towards the end of the first round, Gertz started getting a little bit tired. And Saad, Saad just started coming on, started touching and touching, but he got dropped. Saad got dropped. So unless he had dropped Gertz, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have won the round. And so it was a close, close fight. But Gertz did some good stuff in that third round. Very impressive performance, man. I definitely am happy for him. Glad the two of them had a great fight. The good thing about this, right? When a fight is this close and this entertaining, you know we're going to see part two, baby. Yep, yep. <laughs> so that was the one thing that I'm excited about. We know we're going to see this fight again. It will not be an automatic rematch, but we will see this fight again. Um, that moving forward, like there was a couple other fights on the card that I want to quick, quickly talk about. You had the, uh, AJ Matthews and, um, uh, David Rickle, uh, David Rickles, that fight to me, another great fight. That fight was absolutely phenomenal. If you guys get an opportunity or a chance, tune in. Um, like I bet you guys can pick it up on the, the Bellator website as well as uh YouTube as well. But that was a fucking great fight. 
The only like basically like the first round to the end of the fight, they were on stilts, man. Both guys got dropped. Both guys got knocked down. Both guys, both guys walking around like they couldn't even get their mouthpieces in their mouth. What a fucking fight! What a fight, man! Great job by both of them. Great job. I'm I'm super ex super excited for Dave Rickles. Got a good win. Uh, AJ, always a pleasure watching you fight, man. Always a pleasure. Love watching that guy fight. He's a gunslinger. Just throws down. Good stuff, man. Great fight. Great fights for those guys. Um, all right. Let's talk about the uh, UFC. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. Let's go. Uh, no, let's. Yeah. Yeah. UFC? Yeah. Let's talk about UFC. Okay. I was going to talk about that fight right there that you just pulled up, but then I remembered. It was okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk. I mean, realistically, look, I'm, I'm not going to be. I'm going to be a total fucking. Um, I'm going to be a total fucking homer. And. I, realistically, I I didn't think like here. Let me give you uh, go back down to that back that one. Go down, go down right there. Yusef, I expected more out of Yusef. I thought uh, Marais fought a good fight, but I just expected more out of both of them. The fight was good. It was a great. It was a good fight, but there was a lot of inactivity and the end. The end round was. I wish they would have fought the whole fight that way. And even you can hear Anik talking about when John Anik was talking. He was talking about how. The two of them are very good at being defensive fighters. But that last round, fuck, was phenomenal. That was the way I would have wanted to see them fight the whole fight. I thought I thought the potential of that fight, when I was actually giving the breakdown of this fight, I want to say last week or the week before, that was the fight that I thought, man, this 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 is the fight, man. This is the fight that should be living up to the hype. Because I wasn't sure how the other fights would all go. You know what I mean? I wasn't quite sure. This fight, I was like thinking to myself, this would be an amazing fight, but it just it didn't quite live up to the my expectations and, and how it all should have went down. Anyways, but either way, Yusuf with the win, good job, excited for him, and on to the next one, my man. I thought that Paul Craig, uh, his knees are probably extremely extremely sore now. I mean, it's got canvas burn all over them, and it just was one of those. One of those nights that he came out and was so adamant about getting the takedown. He forced it and forced it and forced it. And I hope he goes back to the drawing boards and realize you cannot finish takedowns on your knees. You got to get to your feet, man. You got to get to your feet. He just could not get back to his feet. He shot the double legs, just couldn't get to his feet. And I, it just wasn't there. It wasn't there for him. And it just it was, it was, I felt bad for him. But then also, too, he got the win. Now, I don't know if he got the win strictly because... The um because uh Kennedy kept draw kept grabbing the fence, and I was thinking to myself, dude, you got to take a point. You got to take a point for grabbing the fence every time he was grabbing the fence. Um, but then he also with the eye poke. So he was doing two things. It all it all starts with his hands and his fingers, man. He was just, he poked him in the eye what two or three times. He uh he was grabbing the fence when he was trying to get the takedown. I thought the referee did a good job of continuing to warn him. But you got, as soon as the person's feet come off the ground and you're grabbing the fence, it should be an automatic point. And you start with them on the ground. That's where you should be. You start with them on the ground. You should always be that way. I don't, we've got to do something about this fence grab thing. And I speak from experience. I've had to deal with guys that have grabbed the fence and in positions where you're working for something so hard to get it. And it's just, and the person grabs the fence. It's, it's horrible, man. It's, it truly is horrible. You know, and it's a, it's a conscious thing to also grab it and know. And that's what sucks is as soon as you grab it, you're like, oh shit, I'm grabbing it, let go. But they don't do that. And that's the thing that makes me wonder. Like, don't get me wrong. I've grabbed the fence once or twice, but as soon as I've grabbed it, I'm like, oh shit. And I let it go. And that, that goes through your mind. These guys, like Kennedy didn't even think that. He just grabbed it and kept holding on to it as, uh, as, as he was getting lifted off the ground by Paul Craig. So... Um, good stuff. Good fight, though. It was actually entertaining when you understand what was really going on. But Paul, Paul Craig had a couple good attacks in the first round. But just just a great job as the fight went to the distance. Or almost to the distance, I should say. But it was a good fight. Paul Craig with a nice submission. I thought I thought it was tricky. I would have liked to have seen him do a couple other things from there. Like, the way he was pulling guard. The way he was letting go of the body as he was pulling guard. I didn't understand that. So, but there was there was a lot of good things that, that that came out of this fight. I think Paul Craig understands now he needs to work on his takedowns. He needs to work on the ability to get up off of his knees and try to gather the hands, lock the hands should be the number one thing, and get the lift and the takedown. So 
that, that just goes through my mind on what he, what he needs to work on. The Mich Michelle Watterson fight, I'm a huge Michelle Watterson fan, um, only based on the fact that like she's she she has exciting moments, but she also is it, her personality and everything that she brings to the table as far as promoting a fight, as far as you know the week of the fight. You can tell that she loves and enjoys the not just the spotlight, but she also loves and enjoys being a fighter and not a lot of people can say that like they they love they love fighting they love the fact that it brings them money and things like that but she truly enjoys it i love the the personality that she brings the dancing the you know the interviews like the way all the things she does like her daughter did that video for girl scout cookies to dana white fucking hilarious just absolutely phenomenal. I thought it was uh, probably one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in, in, involved in MMA at all. And uh, truly think it was awesome. Um, you know, but overall, I thought she fought a great fight. She needs to work on her boxing a little bit more. She does everything with kicks first, which I understand given her, her uh, background. But we got you got to dial her in because after the one and two punches, she stays in the pocket right from there. She doesn't cut angles and she gets hit on the exchanges on the way out. I think she does good stuff. Like she comes in to punch, but almost to grab. And I, I don't know if I really, I don't really know if I really like that because as you get to the upper competition, the upper competition doesn't just kick, they bunch, they punch. So when you get somebody in that upper competition, they just basically can get in her grill and just outbox her, she's gonna lose almost every time. And she needs to work on her, her boxing a little bit more. She's phenomenal. Her conditioning is phenomenal. Her submissions are, I think, drastically underestimated. Like her wrestling and and that like she's she's good, you know. Um, couple little things she needs to work on, but to get her to that that next quite like championship level, that's it though. Everything else is good, you know. She she fights she fights a fast pace. She lays it all on the line. She had a beautiful armbar attack from that position. I was like, oh shit, snap, you know. Um, all she had to do was rotate a little bit more towards the head, kind of like windshield wiper her leg out to keep the to keep um. Kolowetsky or Wickets or whatever's uh, uh, right there. So she hits and swings for the armbar. All she had to do was windshield wiper to the left and then kind of get her, her right leg out over the body to kind of keep her from trying to roll away. But I thought her takedowns were good. Her timing on the takedowns were good. She did a great job. Nasty little elbows in there. She had a couple great elbows. She looks phenomenal right now. She's ready for the next level, but to get her that championship level, she needs to work on that boxing just a tiny bit more. Um... Truly love watching her fight. Now, let's talk about the two I thought were the two. Well, well I'm going to skip over. I'm not going to skip over, but I'm going to brush over the one of the other ones. But the fight that was pretty impressive was Josh Emmett and Michael Johnson. Josh Emmett stayed composed, stayed relaxed, started pushing and picking up the pace in the third round. He was obviously down uh, in the fight. I had him down. Um, it depends. It could have been 1-1 or it could have been 0-2. He could have been, I think it might have been 1-1. I had him land on some good shots in that first round. They had Michael Johnson not really sure what to do. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't able to, Michael Johnson wasn't able to figure out Emmett's, uh, re, like, his timing. Because jo Josh kept dipping the head, coming over the top a little bit, and kind of jabbing in. And I think what happened was Michael Johnson felt a little bit of that Josh Emmett power in that first round. And he just kind of started taking his time, letting Emmett kind of punch a little bit more, letting him punch a little bit more. But in that second round... Michael Johnson found his his uh, his his range and his timing, and the next thing you know, he was just he was able to just touch, touch, touch. And that second round, he was confidence was going. You hear him going woo, like every time he landed a good shot, that let you know right there that that Michael Johnson had found his rhythm. But all of that being said, the third round happens, and I can tell you because I speak from experience, in between rounds is when you feel the most tired. And when you feel the most tired, he came out, I think, in the third round. That same energy that he had taken from the second to the third round wasn't there. And when that energy wasn't there, Josh started pushing the pace, started throwing more combinations, started making Michael Johnson fight moving backwards. And Michael Johnson, in the back of his mind, always knew that Emmett had the power. And when he hit him clean, he dipped in and came over the top of that overhand right. He kept fainting and fainting those, those uh, double legs and kept fainting and fainting that, double, that, that takedown. Boom. Right on the money. Michael Johnson dropped the hands to defend the takedown, thinking like the last little bit of that one minute was left in action, that he was gonna that he was gonna try to shoot, get the takedown, maybe get to a submission or somewhere along that line. 
And let me just tell you, boom, fainted, boom, right down above the head, threw that overhand right, and landed right on the chin. Michael Johnson was out before he hit the ground. Out cold. I thought, Emmett's got a couple things he's got to improve on. Maybe add a little bit more to the kicks. Maybe add a little bit more to the wrestling. Like, as in, like, just game planning a little bit more. Like, in the, in the as the fight was going on, I should have started thinking, like, Start thinking, like, not just fainting the takedown, but maybe even threatening a little bit more. I think that knockout would have potentially came earlier in the third round had he actually tried to get a couple takes, like, try to shoot a little bit more, grab the leg. He fainted a lot for it, but he didn't really try to focus on getting that takedown, which would have helped open it up a little bit sooner. But, look, at the end of the day, homeboy got the win, and that was one of the most devastating knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Good Lord. Uh, almost took his fucking head off. Uh, it, but overall, I thought the fight itself was very entertaining, especially in that second round when they were um, when when Michael Johnson was kind of starting to find his range, his rhythm, and his confidence. Everything in that second round and just led into that that performance in the third round. Josh just knew, I think, that he had to get the knockout or the win of the third round to win the fight. Uh the next fight: David Branch and Jack Herm uh, Hermison. Hermanson? Is it Hermanson? I think it's Hermanson. Anyways, dude, Jack is like, do you know who Jack reminds me of? He reminds me of uh, Keith Jardine. That herky-jerky that they were talking about, herky-jerky moments, um, that kind of thing. But overall, I thought he fought a good fight, man. Like, it was such a short fight. Was able to get the uh, was able to get the takedown, jumped on top, right to the right to the uh, arm and guillotine, pretty much. That's it's very similar to what um, Ryan Bader does. Bader does the same exact little choke. He likes it. Once he throws the leg over the top and he's able to kind of hook and, and gather that, that bottom leg, he didn't hook. He just throws the knee in the middle and he hooks you up over the top so you have no way of getting away. The only thing that, that Branch could have done was push the knee down and kind of like roll to his back to try to avoid the takedown. But that doesn't mean that you would have gotten away with it. It just means that you would have relieved the pressure for that split second. I thought Jack fought a good fight. Hermerson fought a good fight. He fought um, smart. He very herky-jerky. I want to see how he fights as the fight goes on against somebody at a higher level and higher competition like he was. Like, uh, you know, like how, how would he do against uh, Chris Weidman? How would he do against, you know, any of the other guys in, the, in that top top five, top six, top seven tier uh, of men? So that's something, we're, uh, something to be seen, man. Something to really be seen. But overall, great submission. Great job, great performance. Love the energy, man. Gotta love the energy of someone like that. Those are things that fans don't forget. And the last fight, obviously, this fight, I think, stole the show. Josh Emmett did steal the show at the overall. But I think the fact that this was the main event, you had two guys that came in, never a moment in their, in their life where they thinking they weren't going to stand and trade. And they stood and trade, and good God, it was nasty. It was a nasty, nasty knockout by Justin Gaethje. But... I had said something a while ago about Justin Gaethje not fighting smart and continuing to fight the way he fought against, um, who did he fight? Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. And I said, dude, I love watching you fight. I just want to see you fight for a long period of time. And you don't fight smart. You just go in there and you gunsling. And I don't want to, I, I, don't, I love the fact that you do it. I love the fact, that, but this, this Justin Gaethje, if you're listening to this, dude, you commented on something I said in that last thing about, okay, whatever. You know, it was like, you know, you were a little upset, it sounded like, because I had said something like that. This is what I'm talking about. You fought an extremely smart fight. There was moments where you got into the gunslinging moment, but in that time, when you actually had him rocked and hurt, you didn't just rush in and start throwing punches. You've done that before against other guys. This time now, opened yourself. you didn't open yourself up for, you were, you kept your range with your jab. You threw big dogs, but you still fought a smart fight. Way smart fight. You're, you, a couple exchanges, you came out of throwing the kick, letting them know that the leg kick was still there. This is exactly what I was talking about by fighting smart. Not just standing there and trading blow for blow right in front of each other. There's moments for it. When you landed the clean shot, there's the kick right there. When you landed the clean shot, and you knew you heard him, you threw the second and the third. Now, when you got hit with something clean, you kind of backed away a second, gave yourself a second to recover, and you went right back in. Now, granted, it doesn't take you long to recover. You did a great job. Everything I was talking about, as far as you being, I want to see you fight for a long period of time. 
Because you, you are. I, I don't know who gave you that fucking nickname, but it does. It suits you. It suits you 100%. The fucking walking highlight reel. It was amazing, man. You fought a great fight. The fact that, and I even said this. I even said this uh, talking with somebody yesterday. I said, I'm interested to see, not yesterday, but the day, the day you were supposed to fight. That I'm interested to see if he comes out and leg kicks. Or if he comes out and wrestles. Or if he just stands in front of him and wants to box. Your leg kicks, they haven't been as used or utilized since you've been in the World Series of Fighting. Now that you are here, now that you are in the UFC, this is what I wanted to see. Your leg kicks, obviously, were doing way more damage to Barboza than his were doing to you. And sure, he caught you with one at the very end there with a little leg kick that kind of threw you off balance a little bit. But dude, when you first came out and you could tell he felt him right off the bat, great job, man. Great job of making him think something else. When you came out and you started throwing leg kicks and it was leg kick for leg kick, and you could just tell he just didn't have the balance to check your kicks. He didn't have the strength and the power to take those leg kicks. That's the Justin Gaethje that I want to see. That guy that comes out and says, I'm going to kick you, you're going to kick me. But guess what? One or two, he did not want to leg kick with you anymore. And that started to open up the boxing a little bit more. And you guys started throwing down. But you were one step ahead on the combinations and the cleaner boxing, which is what landed. Great job. Great performance. I can't say enough about how the fact that I felt like you you rocked him here. Right after that first couple, that first exchange, it got him into his back to the fence. And you kept that left hand out there on his head. And I thought that was phenomenal. Finding it as if like a range finder. Chin was tucked. You hit him and touched him a little bit, not too hard. You're hitting and touching him, finding the range even better. And when he tried to circle out, boom, you hit him with some good shots and then followed and smothered him a little bit. Make him, you made him, uh, you made him clinch with you a little bit. That also too, for a striker who doesn't do a lot of clinching or doesn't do a lot of fence work or doesn't, never is going to do as much as the wrestler does. And his, the muscle fatigue sets in. It slows their punches down a little bit. It slows everything down just a tad bit on their explosiveness for, for, uh, punching and kicking. I thought you did a great job. Obviously, in hindsight, it's always easier to say that because you won the fight. But this is the type of fight that I was talking about when we were when we talked a while ago about you not me wanting to see you fight more, but you wouldn't feel you wouldn't have a long career if you kept fighting like that. But this, this is the type of fight that I would love to see you fight. Sure, stand and bang all you want. You got the chin for it. But just be a little bit more. See how you were always outside of range. You every time he threw a kick or he threw a punch, you kindly you you were slowly you were kind of a little bit out of range. That let me know that you were you weren't willing to get in there and engage until it was moments where you felt like there was an opening. You fought a great fucking fight. Good job, my man. Good job. Congratulations on the win. And I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more on the Khabib uh, call. You saying that Khabib. You and Khabib are a perfect matchup as in terms of who is the fight that you think that is, is the most dangerous in the 155-pound division for Khabib. I say it's Tony Ferguson and it's you. Those You two are the only two that I think are going to be hard, hard fights for Khabib. I don't think that, and I love Dustin Poirier. I just think stylistically he gets caught up in the gunsling. Khabib will not gunsling with you. He will try to take you down. I think... That fight. And then the Max Holloway is interesting fight. I don't know how it's going to go. It's an interesting fight, though. A very interesting fight because of Max's ability to stop takedowns now in this day and age. But I agree with you 100%. Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson, I think, are the hardest two fights in that division right now for uh, Khabib. <clears throat> All right, let's talk real quick about the... Um, the 1FC, let's talk about the, the we're going to talk about the uh, first appearances of Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson. I will talk first, Demetrius Johnson. I thought DJ, I mean like, overall, D, like we've known DJ's, he's fucking nasty good. And not only is he nasty good, DJ is somebody who, he never fights to somebody else's strengths. He does whatever he can. To beat you at whatever whatever is the easiest way to beat you. And I think that comes from great coaching. That comes from Matt Hume. That comes from the guys that he works with. Good friends with uh, Rich Franklin. To me, is like one of the probably the smartest guys to ever grace the, the, the fight business. He, he always fought a smart fight. I feel like Demetrius Johnson is that guy. Demetrius Johnson is the guy who just finds ways 
to just pick you apart, figure you out, and then beat you in the easiest way possible, which is whatever you're not good at defending, he will beat you at. I thought I think he does a wonderful job doing that. He uh, had a great performance. You know, when you're fighting these young guys, these guys over in another country, and now your your first fight over there, they, you're target on your back, and we're gonna talk more about that in a little bit. But these these small, I was more concerned. Um, for the Eddie Alvarez fight, and obviously you guys can go back and when, when that fight was announced, I, you can look it up on our podcast. I had actually talked about how that was going to be a dangerous fight for Eddie Alvarez. But these guys here, they have no... The, the 1FC guys, they're going to be tough. And this just goes to show, Demetrius is having a good round, good fight, but it's a tough interaction. It's a tough interactive fight between the two. My thing is, is that these these guys that are they've always won an opportunity to fight guys that they consider to be the best. Their level's gonna jump 50, 50 to seventy five percent now, and throw caution to the wind because they have no concern whatsoever of fighting these guys. They don't care. They were supposed to lose. They don't care. They can do whatever he wants. And you can see if you go back and you watch Demetrius Johnson fight the DJ fight, DJ was having a hard time controlling him. Just the the control, the the positioning, like they throw caution to the wind. They do not care. The stylistic matchup and not only that, but then just the new added rules. These are things that the, that the UFC guys have to get used to. So Demetrius Johnson coming in, you got to get used to the knees of the head on the ground. You got to get used to the head kicks on the ground. You got to get used to all those new uh, rules, that rule set. It's hard, man. It's not easy. He sets in that beautiful guillotine, almost like a little bulldog choke from the side. Great job. A impressive performance. It's always the hardest thing to do is to get the win. He's got a little bit of a shiner, probably the most damage he's ever taken in any of his fucking fights. I mean, the guy barely ever gets touched. Always comes out looking like a rock star. But I thought he fought a great fight, man. The best part is when she tried to put the... Uh, the metal over her head got caught on his ear. <laughs> he got some of the ugliest cauliflower ear I've ever seen in the business. So funny though. Um, but I thought I thought you gotta let these guys are trying to jump on on these on these um these transplants. <clears throat> They're trying to jump on these transplants as fast as they can because they don't want them to get used to being in the in the cage. In front of all their fans and all their people, they want to, they wanted to try and jump on you right away and get you out of there. And I thought that's exactly what uh, DJ's opponent did. He almost he landed some clean shots, was landing some good kicks, was pressing DJ around the cage. But then DJ calm and collectively got the takedown, able to work to his position and finish the submission. Great job, buddy. Good job. Now let's talk about the Eddie Alvarez fight. Now Eddie Alvarez, I said this before. I said it a while ago. The guy that I wanted to see him fight the most, but also the guy that posed the biggest threat to him was Timothy Nastyukin. I was working for 1FC as a K-Star commentary when this kid was like 10-1. and one. He had nothing but knockout wins almost all in the first round. If you pull up his if you pull up his uh his record, he's only been, I think, outside of the third round or outside of the first round, like two two times out of 14 fights or some shit. The kid is extremely impressive. He lost to Herbert Burns, which is uh, Dorino's uh, brother, Gilbert Burns, who's phenomenal on the ground, but still a first-round loss. He lost to Boku in the first round by TKO stoppage, and he lost to, uh, I don't even know who that guy is. Okay, but he lost to him by a KO loss as well. But Timofey's also got a bunch of first-round knockouts. He's got two fights and went to the, to the third round, and he won both those fights by decision. But all of his other fights, man, have all been by first round TKO, first round knockout, first round, I mean, first round everything. Scroll down a little bit. Is there any more in, in the first round? What's yeah. his record? They're all first round finishes. 13 and 4. Yeah, so he's 13 and 4. Except these two. He's 13 or 14? 13 and 4. So he's 13 and 4 overall. His four losses have come by the same thing. First round either submission or first round KO. This guy lives by the sword, dies by the sword. He's got huge power in his hands. I've seen him go out there and just fucking starch dudes. When I was working for them, I was like, this kid has the potential of being a fucking star. And they put him in front of uh, in front of Eddie Alvarez. And oh my God, he is, he's got the power, man, in the hands. And you can see, Eddie gets hit with a, cl a clean shot. And Eddie just, for some reason, it just froze Eddie for a little bit and stunned him for a little bit. 
and and Eddie wasn't able to recover. But I don't know how much, like you have to remember, it's hard to fight in another country. Nothing's the same. Your food that week is not the same. The um the hotels, the the culture, everything is different. It's a learning experience. Everything about it is a learning experience. He catches he catches uh Nasty can catch his um Eddie's leg, hits him with a beautiful straight right hand, drops him right to his back, doesn't jump into his guard, tries to like kick him, but backs away, lets him back up. Eddie kicks him back. I'm giving you guys basically a play-by-play in this fight. Just a nasty fight. Hits him with a nice right hand. Nastukin's got power in both hands. He's, if you watch the stare down between the two, he's a lot bigger as far as height-wise. I don't know how he is as far as like actual, when I'm looking at him side-by-side fighting right now, Nastukin's not as as polished as Eddie as far as the fluid movement and things, but when somebody like Nastukin has the power that he has, that's the kind of style of the guy you're going to get. Someone who just stands in front of you and wants to trade. Now, given the fact that Eddie has just lost this fight, they're not going to do him any favors. They're paying him a lot of money. So the fact that he's getting paid a ton of money, you can expect him to get all the top guys in the echelon of guys to fight. Like he is not getting, he's not getting any gimme fights coming up. But the one thing I wanted to touch on, and this is the number one thing I wanted to touch on, you guys, I'm a Bellator guy. I work for Bellator. I fought for the UFC. I fought for Pride. I've, you know, I worked for One FC doing KJI commentary. This right here is proof that not all the best guys are in the UFC. You guys got to start watching other shows, man. You guys got to start believing in the in in the fighters and the athleticism of all these other athletes, especially in the 155 pound division. There's no fucking way one promotion has all the best guys or girls. There's just no way. And if you're and you're watching this all come. You're all watching this all come about. Demetrius Johnson was considered to be the GOAT, considered to be the number one guy in the world, pound for pound, the best guy in the world. And he had a tough fight. Even though, sure, he got the finish, did a good job, was able to to work it out and finish it out, but that's what makes that person the GOAT. But you have Eddie here also coming off of this loss now. It just goes to show that I know anything can happen in a fight, but I heard, I went through the the fucking uh, comment section Dude, you guys are ruthless, man. Oh, he was never really that good. Shut the fuck up. You guys are kidding me, right, with that garbage. Eddie's fucking one of the best ever. Like, one of the best ever. There's no way you're going to tell me that he was never that good. Or you're not going to tell me just because this guy, Timothy Nastukin, was able to beat him and knock TKO or knock him out. There's no fucking way you're going to tell me that Eddie Alvarez is done. That no way. Like, these guys that, he, that they're fighting... Different, different, different style of competition. All of these guys are going to try and stand and knock your head off. That's that's what makes one FC so exciting to watch. A lot of these small guys are all stand up guys, and the guys that are not, they usually come from Evolve. They have a good jujitsu area that basically like they feed them the stand up guys that they know they can beat because Evolve and 1FC are work together and they want to try to promote the 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 their their guys the best they can. This goes to show that guys like Timofey Nastukin are out there. They've got power. Their their ability to beat top guys is there. You think about a guy like Timofey fighting a guy like Dustin Poirier. You think of a guy like Timofey fighting a guy like Justin Gaethje. I think Gaethje with leg kicks probably open it up a little bit more, open up the hands. But I'm saying like Dustin Poirier, um, you have other guys. You know that that fight mainly sticks out and stands in mind. I'd love to see a, a fight with like him and, and uh, Nate Diaz. Like those kind of those kind of fights make for very entertaining fights. This was a great fight up until then. Eddie was having a hard time fighting his rhythm. I think the power and the size was kind of throwing him off a little bit. But look, Eddie's been down before. There's no doubt about it. Eddie's been down before. And Eddie's going to come back. Eddie's going to do what Eddie does. He's going to come back, probably wipe out this whole fucking division. But the thing is, is everyone should already know that this fight, this, that not not one promotion has all the best guys. And for those of you guys sitting on the sideline on YouTube, you know, or wherever on, on in the in the IG section talking shit, bro, Eddie Alvarez is one of the best guys to ever fight. One of the best guys. Like, just, he's fought all the best guys and beaten all the best guys. There's no doubt in my mind that he is one of the best guys to ever, 
ever step foot in the cage. So you guys, stop stop discrediting what Timothy did and stop trying to say that Eddie's washed up and out the door and all these other things. Eddie's Eddie's a gamer, man. Eddie's going to do what Eddie does. And you guys were talking all that smack just recently about Justin Gaethje. Now I see everyone in the comment section. I knew you weren't done. I knew you were the man. I knew you could do it. Shut the hell up. Half you guys had said he was washed up and out the door already. So, all you Fairweather fans, you guys got to sit at home. Just enjoy the show. Stop talking shit about these guys. These guys are landing on the line, doing their job. And, man, this is the nature of the beast. This is the nature of the business and the beast, man. These, anyone can be finished. That's why it's the fight game. You know, Eddie went against a bigger guy and just got caught. I mean, got caught, got hit with some big shots. You know, it, it happens, man. This is this is what happens in the game. Trust me, like I said, Eddie will be back, and Eddie will probably take over this whole this whole this whole division. You know, now a little bit of a fire lit under his ass. The honeymoon stage is over, and this is what happens. You know, I lost my very first strike force fight in MMA. Very disappointing to me. And then I rattled off, I want to say like six or seven in a row, and I'm winning the title and, and going on being successful. That's that's the hard part. Like you, sometimes like it sucks to say you got to take a loss to be successful, but in this situation, that's exactly what he did. And I think I think we're gonna see a lot a lot better from him in these upcoming fights, you know, uh, for him. But all it did was open up the door for Timothy Nasukin to to do a lot of different things. And I've said it before, I said it again. This was probably the toughest fight in that in in that organization for Eddie Alvarez. I could see maybe like a Shinya Aoki fight or something like that, but none of these other guys I don't think are going to touch Eddie. Eddie's going to open up. He's going to start putting things together. He's going to understand. There's a lot of things that were going on in his mind for this fight. You know, um, the honeymoon stage is over, like I said. So he'll be back. He'll be back 100%. And I got to tell you, whoever he has next, I'd be afraid, man. I'd be scared for that dude. All right, guys. Well, that's my wrap. That's my punk's opinion. I thought we had a great weekend of fights all across the board. Bellator, UFC, and 1FC. Great job, you guys. To all the athletes out there, keep doing what you're doing. Truly appreciate what you guys are doing. You guys are fucking animals. Great job, you guys. Great, great fucking job. Nice work. Um, anything else? One seven, the 170 situation. What is the 170 situation? All the fights that got announced. Okay, so they announced what? They announced, uh, they announced Robbie Lawler versus um, T. Wood. T. Wood, which is a rematch. Um, interesting to see that. Then they announced uh, George Masvidal versus Ben Askren. And then uh, Usman and Covington. And then Usman and Covington. So I think Usman gets Covington out of there. He's going to end up dropping quite a bit, I believe, because then you're going to have Ben Askren and uh, George Masvidal fight. And then you're going to have T. Wood and... Um, Robbie. Robbie Lawler fight. I think if Robbie beats T. Wood, that puts him into the number one spot to fight over Ben Askren does. Over Ben Askren. So Robbie will get the automatic title shot. Look, there's no secret if you guys are at home watching this, UFC absolutely fucking loves Robbie Lawler. And what is there not to fucking love about the guy? He's humble. He's quiet. He comes in and does his fucking job, never complains, and he's fucking probably the most exciting fighter to ever grace the fucking face of the octagon. Sure, Conor McGregor's done all the things that he's done, and Justin Gaethje is probably right there with Robbie Lawler, but when you want to talk about the guy who's been doing it the longest and been able to fucking just starch people for, for I don't know how long, Robbie Lawler, man. Robbie fucking Lawler. That guy's the man. I got to tell you right now, he is somebody that... If he beats T. Wood, if he beats T. Wood, which I think there's a strong possibility he may. There's a strong possibility he beats T. Wood. And I'm T. Wood's my boy. But they're on different ends right now. Even though both coming off of a loss, Robbie looked spectacular in that fight. That time off to get healthy, just to kind of get his mind back about him. I haven't seen Robbie fight like that in I don't know how long when he fought Ben Askren. T. Wood looked like he'd been the champion so long. He was like just going through the motions, and it just didn't look right. He didn't look himself. He didn't look himself, you know. And I'm not taking it away from Usman, but he just didn't look like he wanted it anymore. You know, so if, if anything, there's a moment right now where Robbie can exploit that. That being said, what that all that does, what all that does is, is that sets up for an automatic rematch. If Ben Askren beats George Masvidal and Robbie Lawler beats uh, Tyron Woodley, that sets up an automatic rematch for the number one contender spot against Usman. Everyone said they want to see him run it back, but I think that that is kind of the potential and the play that the UFC is trying to get. And they're like, look, Robbie is ranked ahead of you now because he beat T. Wood. 
Ben Askren is ranked, um, well, if he only be ranked number four or whatever, if he beats George Mazadal. So all of that being said, then they're going to probably make the two of them fight and maybe give Dos Anjos the fight against uh, against Usman. Or they may have they may have uh, Robbie fight. So, I don't know. I don't know who else they would fight. Maybe somebody. I, I think they're going to give Robbie the automatic rematch. Or not rematch. I think they're going to give Robbie the automatic title shot against Usman because they love, they love Robbie so much. And they should. The guy's fucking. If anyone's a legend in this sport, it's him. Anyone who's an active legend in this sport, it's him. 100% it's him. He's been fucking, he's been fighting fuck forever, man. The guy, since he was 19 years old, he got signed by the UFC when he was 19. Fucking phenomenal. The guy's a powerhouse. Fought in all the biggest organizations. Knocked out fucking a ton of fucking people. Just nasty KOs as well. Lost a couple, but guess what? Little fire on his ass right now. He's he's the man. The guy with a new focus, new, new, new meaning to who he is and what his, his career is all about. It's amazing to watch. That's how I see this whole uh, this whole punks this how I punks pain. That's how I see this whole welterweight division uh, panning out. Any other questions? Nope. That's it, guys. We wrapped it. If you guys uh, haven't heard, we just had Jessica Evil Eye on. Check out that uh, show. We're gonna drop that as well tonight. Um, check that out. Let us know. Give it. Leave us comments in the comment section. We talk about a lot, man. We talk about a lot. She was a pleasure to have on. Fun. Very energetic. Very happy for her and her, her uh, title shot uh, against um, Shevchenko. That should be a great fight. I'm excited to see that fight. And, of course, um, you know, there's lots of big fights that are coming up. Excited for all of this. April 27th in San Jose, Bellator, John Fitch versus Roy McDonald, and Alimele McFarlane versus Vita Ortega. That Ortega, that's going to be a fucking barn burner, those two, those two fights. But that whole card is stacked. Benson Henderson's fighting Adam Piccolotti. That's another big fight. Liam McGeary is fighting Phil Davis. This is going to be fun, man. This is going to be fucking fun. Cannot wait. There's uh, some other big fights that are coming up as well in the UFC. And we will see what happens and plays out with the 1FC guys from Eddie Alvarez and um, Demetrius Johnson. As well as Angela Lee. I believe she took her first loss in the 1FC uh, championship. She lost her title. And she obviously will be looking to get that thing back. So we'll see if they give her an automatic rematch or if they make her fight one or two more times. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Punk's Opinion. Josh Thompson here. Hit the subscribe button. Also, do me a favor. Hit that little thumbs up. Uh, on the YouTube channel that lets everyone know that you have seen the video you like the video and that anybody that is interested in MMA will also be pushed off to watch that video as well that will help us share our videos and get the word out so please hit that notification button as well as well as hitting the little thumbs up that lets everyone know also um, what else follow us on IG at Sammy the Punk or at the real punk that'd be great IG and Twitter on both also on Facebook at Sammy the Punk and Josh the Punk Thompson on Facebook any other questions? That's it. Thanks again. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later. Bye.